Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. Hey, listeners, great to be with you today. I am here with Dina from Commerce Tools. Dina has been in technical recruiting for a number of years, and she's agreed to join us today to walk us through the process of doing a technical interview. And this is really important. It's different from a behavioral interview. This is the part of the interview at a tech company where they will be actively testing your tech skills. And so you wanna be at the top of your game. You wanna know exactly what to expect and how to prepare and be able to shine in this part of the interview. So welcome to the podcast, Dina. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot to talk about with technical interviews, and this is an area where I am learning. So you have tons of expertise in this space, and I'm thrilled you're here. So if you would start off by telling us a little bit about um, how long you've been in technical recruiting and what it's like, what you enjoy about it. I have been in technical recruiting for over 10 years. I actually started in a recruiting agency doing IT only positions. And it was funny, I had a business and I closed it. I started it when I was 24 and I closed it and I was going to do tech recruiting until I could find a real job. And I ended up falling in love with it, falling in love with the candidates and the process and everything. And after a few years, moved over to the corporate side. So I've worked in several public and private companies, mostly small to midsize. And now I'm currently at an awesome e-commerce startup in Durham, North Carolina. Nice. How big is your startup? So our U.S. division is 35 people and we'll be growing to about 50 or 60 this year if I do my job right. Yeah, sounds like you'll be busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right, so let's start. Let's talk about even before the interview starts. If I'm a candidate, I'm applying for a role in software development, software engineering. What does that look like from your side? What do candidates do who do this well? There's a lot of different ways people are applying. Obviously, everyone's applying through multiple sites like Indeed or LinkedIn. And there's the resume is the foundation, right? You have to have a great resume. It has to be proofread. Like give it to somebody else. Make sure it's not missing anything. But you want to be really careful. People in technology like to put in every single buzzword or any acronym or anything that they've ever touched at any point in their life. And when you get through the interview process, they ask you about it and you're like, well, I've actually never done that. And that just makes for awkwardness. So either if you put them, make sure you say like, you know, entry level or intermediate or advanced so people know where you're at. Also, one of the things we do that's a little bit different at Commerce Tools is we apply to step that takes a little bit longer. And I've actually noticed that a lot of companies are doing this. We got to the point where we were just like mass applying. And we got to the point now where we actually ask a couple questions like what piqued your interest about us? Why do you want to work for us? Talk to us about your experience. And honestly, when people don't answer the questions, I skip over them because Uh I want people who are excited about our company. And I've noticed that about a lot of companies lately. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So it's they're probably not questions that take a ton of time to answer, are they? No, it's something that you can finish in less than a minute or two. We're not looking for, you know, a PhD level dissertation here, but just something that gets you let you stand out and they're pretty easy questions like why us or tell us an interesting fact about yourself it doesn't have to be about software it could just be like any interesting piece like I don't know I'm a marathon runner or something it could be anything so it just shows a little bit extra effort and that you have an excitement level Great. And that's nice because it doesn't take a lot of time, but it gives you a lot of information, right? People yes. who don't bother to fill it out don't even get a look. Yes. That's that's good to know. So after you have seen resumes and, and cover letters, do you read cover letters? So I do read cover letters because they're so few and far between. A lot of times I'm looking for particular things like they listed the wrong company name or the wrong position. Um, also, if they're relocating, I want to see if they talk about that at all or if they're located in another location talking about moving to our office in North Carolina. So I look for key things, but I'd say less than 15% of people send cover letters. So there's not that many to read right now. Yeah. Wow. And does is that a negative in your opinion? If you're looking at a candidate and they haven't written a cover letter, does that bother you? I don't know if it's a negative. It's just... It's an interesting way we've evolved. I think you can have a pretty standard one and just change out a couple key pieces and it does set you apart, but I don't hold it against anyone. Things do move really fast and we do have the questions. So if it's a cover letter that's interesting, exciting and has something fun in there and it grabs your attention, that's better than not having, you know, a stale stuffy one that doesn't fit what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay, good. I always ask recruiters that question. Do you read cover letters? I it's actually about a 50-50. I yes, put the no. question on LinkedIn and said, I put it out there to recruiters. Do you read it? And some got really offended, like, of course we read it. And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. What what percentage would you say said that they read them? It was probably about 75% said they do read them, okay. but I would challenge that. <laughs> it does seem like a missed opportunity if you don't provide a cover letter, particularly, I always think if you're not a typical candidate, right? If you're a career switcher or you're going back to work or you kind of have something that could benefit from a little explanation. I think that's the perfect way to describe it is, you know, if you're relocating, you're, it's a different role, you're changing roles, you're taking a step back, you're, whatever the situation is, you just finished a degree program, a boot camp. That's your opportunity to be a voice behind this just one sheet of piece of paper. Good. That's great. So, okay. So now we, so I'm a candidate. You read my cover letter and loved it. (laughs) Yes. And my resume was 100% grammatically perfect. Yes. So, and I have the right skill set. So I'm coming in for a technical interview. How would I prepare for that? So I think the first thing is, depending on every company has their own process, a lot of times before you come in for a technical interview, you've probably talked to a recruiter or somebody previous. So the first thing I would say is ask your recruiter questions, right? Ask them what to expect on the interview. Who are you going to be meeting with? If you can get their titles, if not, take their names and try to look them up on LinkedIn to get a better understanding ask about the length of time, appropriate attire, like use that. That person is your advocate almost in a way, like they're excited to bring you in. It's a win-win if you're a great candidate and they fill the position because that's 
makes them look great. So make sure you're utilizing that relationship with them and asking them those questions before you even get it. Okay, good. So it sounds like the recruiter can really be on your side, right? They they want to see you succeed. Yes. Okay, good. We don't want to have open positions. Right. <laughs> and you don't want to have to keep going back looking for more right. candidates for the right. same old role. So, okay, great. So ask a lot of questions. Questions like, who am I interviewing with? What should I expect? What does the process look like? Because technical interviews can take a number of different forms, right? Can you yeah. tell us about that? <clears throat> yeah, technical interviews can range from an hour in meeting with one person to I've had whiteboarding sessions where you're there for five hours. Sometimes it's a panel with three or four engineers just throwing questions at you. So the more you ask ahead of time and the more information you have, the better prepared you can be. And I think the less nervous we are going in, it's so hard to not be nervous. Right. It's, It's just you're excited, your energy's up, you know, you're wondering if you're gonna do good. So it's the more information and power you have going in of like what the expectation of the day should be, you're going to be stronger for it. So making sure you have all those like bits and pieces and little nuances. So like we don't do whiteboarding sessions, but we do assessments and the assessments ahead of time are, we review them the day of. So you do the assessment ahead of time and you review it the day of, but we don't do whiteboarding sessions. Okay. So you review it the day of. So while I'm in the office having my technical interview, are you reviewing it with me? As in you'll go through and say, can you explain to us how you did this and why you did this? Why did you do it that way? Yeah, we definitely want to know because we've reviewed it and it's obviously passed enough of it for you to come in. So we're excited to know about your thought process, even if the answer is not right. You know, like, how did you think through it? And what tools did you use? Did did you have any things where you're like, oh, after I turned it in, I I thought about this or so we want to see that level of excitement we want to see how you think about everything we want to really kind of get into your mind for a minute so you're reviewing my code sort of line by line asking questions and so if I'm a candidate you are looking for me to be obviously very knowledgeable because I did the work and turned it in and you want me to be able to explain it But also, you're going to probably push me a little on things, right? Ask me questions about it. And what happens if I, you you ask me a lot of questions and I get to the point where I just don't know? Yeah, that most likely will happen. It should happen, right? Because the questions get increasingly tougher. So even outside of assessments and things like that, they're going to get increasingly uh, harder and tougher for you to answer. So the first few, you should definitely like knock out of the park, easy breezy. Most likely in most scenarios, you're being interviewed by another technical person that's much higher, maybe an architect or a senior level person, a developer. So you want to go through an answer. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. Like at some point, their goal is to try to stump you. I don't know this, but I've worked on something similar. And here's how I thought through this process or say, I have no idea. I'm going to take a stab in the dark and see how this goes. And like, let me know if I'm on the right mindset. I had somebody ask me one time, how many gumballs fit in a 747? Uh, Are we still asking questions like that? We are, (laughs) but there is no answer. I mean, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. like they wanted to see how big are the gumballs? Is there people in the plane? Is there chairs in the plane? Is there, you know, all these different pieces? Is it completely full? You know, they're trying to get your mindset. Right. When I worked at Carolina, we used to prep MBA students for interviews and, and we 
talked about a lot of different questions like that. And we spent a lot of time on the case interview, which I think much like a technical interview, you're sort of given a problem to solve on the spot. And what was more important than coming up with absolutely the best answer was, what was your thought process to get there? Do you ask questions when you don't know? And are you okay with saying, gosh, I don't, I don't know this, but here's how I might go and figure that out. Or here are some of the sources of information I go yeah. to when I get stumped like this. Yeah. They want you to ask questions back or if they if they use an acronym that you don't know or a, a word or a phrase or something, it's okay. Like sometimes they do that on purpose to see if you're comfortable enough to be like, can you time out for a second? I don't know. I don't understand where you're going with this. I didn't understand that acronym you just used. Can you kind of come back to me? Because sometimes things are industry specific. Can you come back to me and talk me through like how you came up with that question or that acronym? Can you explain what it means to me? People often think that if we do something like that or ask questions, it makes us seem not knowledgeable and then we wouldn't get the job. When in fact, it shows a different level of knowledge that you're okay to know that you're not, you don't know everything. You're not always going to be the smartest person in the room and that's the opportunity to learn and grow from from those around you. Yep, that's great. I'm hearing from people, they want, that instead of hiring the person who knows everything, they will hire the person who is interested in learning everything. So you don't have to know it all going in and you do have to be comfortable saying, I'm not familiar with that. Could you explain that? Yeah. And so I think an interview is a great place to figure out if you're that person who can do that. Interviews are two-sided. Um, it's not just them interviewing you, it's you interviewing them. Is this the person, is this the kind of team you want to be on, the technology you want to work on? Is their thought process similar to yours? Do you think you can gain knowledge from them? So this is a good opportunity for you to throw stuff back at them to see if it makes sense. And is where you want to head in, you know, the next two, three, five years and you all align together. So that's important, too, to remember it's it's not a one-sided process. Yeah, that's good to keep in mind. I think that helps with the nerves, too. I'm not just going there to have them check me out all day. I am also trying to determine if they are the right fit for me. Yeah, people always forget that part. You don't have to take a job right. with them, yeah. you know. So you're you should be – you should it should be an equal conversation. Generally – my rule of thumb with my interview teams is the candidate should talk about 70% and you should talk about 30% because you want to give them the opportunity to shine and show who they are. But it shouldn't be just 100% on the candidate. You should be getting them excited as well. Let's talk about the elevator pitch, which is often how a, an interview will begin or the question, walk me through your resume or tell me about your career. What have you been doing before? How have you seen candidates handle that question well? So it's interesting because it's a question specifically about you, but we most of us panic and we're not <laughs> sure how to answer it and sometimes can look like a deer in headlights like, oh my gosh, why do you want to know about me? And it's a really important question because people want to get to know you. The relationships we have with people, we work with them longer than we're with anyone else in our lives during the day. You're with these people 40 plus hours a week. So they kind of want to get to know you and see if there's a common bond. So that's where the elevator pitch comes in handy. You definitely want to make sure that you're not getting into what are called the protected classes where there could be discrimination against you, including you know, different pieces like, oh, I go to this church or, you know, I graduated college in this year. You want to stay away from some of those. But it's OK to say, you know, oh, I'm, I, I've am i been coding, you know, for 10 years and I really am passionate. These are the languages I love. And, you know, I'm an avid skier or I'm, you know, i test video games on the side. It's OK to like share that personal information about yourselves and your hobbies 
in that sense to kind of get to know each other and and practice it and it always sounds strange practice it in front of a mirror you know get yourself comfortable it's a question you're most likely going to get asked so just be prepared with it yeah that's great advice I always think you might know in your head of course I know what I've done and when I did it and why I did it but if you if you're not comfortable saying it out loud and if you haven't tried saying it out loud, you really don't know what's going to come out of your mouth when you open it. Yeah. And I've had some disastrous ones, you know, and, and it's usually one of the first few questions. And I think people then get so stuck on it. They just never recover for the whole rest of the interview. Yeah. Yeah. And we know it's coming so we can prepare for it. Right. Right. Back to kind of the technical part of the interview any more tips and tricks that maybe you've learned from the engineers that you work with or from your years as a technical recruiter? Yeah, I think it's just being able to clearly describe what you're working on, whether it's a whiteboard coding session, whether it's just talking through problems, scenarios, talking through technology. It's just being really clear and concise of what you worked on, knowing it might be a different, you know, you could be a Java developer and they could be hiring a Java developer, but you could come from different approaches and backgrounds and stuff. So just being true to who you are, but knowing that there's other pieces out there, it's it's really important to kind of showcase your talents and, but be receptive of like their feedback. Okay, good. And so whiteboarding, which seems to be less common now than maybe it was in the past and seems to universally like strike fear into the hearts it of does. candidates. Mm-hmm. How does one handle a whiteboarding situation well? Generally not well is how they <laughs> handle it. But you know, it is hard. I mean, if you think about it, you're you're changing a method of how you do something. You sit very independently at a computer and you, you type your lines of code and you kind of move on. And now you're in front of a group of people, one, two, three people, however many folks are in there. And you're trying to think of a line of code or how you would handle a problem or a sequence of something right off the top of your head or an algorithm and you're trying to get it together really quick. So I generally tell people before you even get to the interview, try to find out if they even have whiteboard coding and if they do, if there's any area that you should focus on because they might be hiring for several different skill sets. Is there a language that they're going to ask? Is there a specific question or anything that you can prepare ahead of time? I think that's important, but I think just trying to determine if they're even going to have it, because that sometimes will just create anxiety prior, but if you kind of know you have to do it going in. Okay, good. And those are all questions that you can ask the recruiter that you've been working with, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've had people come in with their own computers or everything, like whatever you feel like you need on you to be prepared. If like anyone comes up and says anything to you, do you have all the tools you need with you? you know, your, your resume, your computer, your, just your GitHub access or things like that. So they can check your code and whatever you feel like. So you're not like, oh man, I left that at home, you know, so you have it available to you. Yep. Okay, great. And then, so you, we've been through the whole interview. Mm -hmm. Now they say, do you have any questions for us? What do you think about that part of the interview? So the absolute worst thing you could do is say no. That generally does not fly at any company you're at. They want people who have a curiosity. I mean, you're making a really big decision here. And even if you feel like they've answered all of your questions, maybe you came in with a mental list of questions and you feel like they've all been answered, make something up. Like you should feel, you know, be inquisitive and have this. So 
I think the other thing people might be interviewing with four or five people and they're all separate interviews, it's okay to ask them the same question. I actually think it makes sense if you ask like a peer, then maybe like a team lead and then the manager the same question. It'd be nice to see if they all have the same answer, but like from their different viewpoints, because if they don't, that might be a red flag that this team doesn't know what they're doing. Right, <laughs> right. So, People are not on the same page. Exactly. So it's good even to do that practice of like asking the same question to the different levels to see how they respond. But come up with something. I We do debriefs after candidates leave. And the number one thing I hear is, yeah, they're good. They didn't have any questions for me. Ah, uh, darn. Missed opportunity. Huge opportunity. Yeah. Like totally missed. So, and people just, you know, I... They just shake their head like, yeah, I'm good. You answered every single question I have. And it's like, wow, like everything? Yeah. Wow, we're, <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell candidates, go in with a list of questions. You can write those down because you probably are trying to keep a lot of things in your head. And there's no reason that you can't just flip open your portfolio. And I do have some questions. Here we go. And they're right in front of you. Just take the pressure off having to remember yes. those. And then you're super prepared. And I think it looks like you took the time before you walked in the door to do some research and write down questions that came to mind. That's so 100%. bonus points for doing that too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And even if it's like your standard list that you're bringing to every interview, we don't know that. We thought that you took the time to come up with these very specific questions for us. And that's great. And then the best part of it, take notes. Like it's okay to take notes on the yes. interview because we say things that you might want to jot down or something like that. So feel free to do that. You know, a lot of people ask, Hey, can I take notes? And I always say, yeah, if you want to write down anything, cause it's a lot to remember. You're meeting with a lot of people. Sometimes it could be several hours and then you get home and you're like, what the heck do we talk about <laughs> for four <laughs> hours? And, yeah. and then if you're doing two or three interviews that week or in a couple of weeks, you're like, I don't even remember who I like anymore. Cause everything's blurry. So take notes on it. Yep. Good. Great advice. And so then the candidate goes home and hopefully they write a thank you note. Let's talk about that. They generally don't. I, I think it's less than, in my experience, I cannot speak for all the recruiters in the world, but in my experience, it's probably less than five or 10% that, that actually do. Unbelievable to me. Yeah. That is so crazy. Yeah. So 95% of the people out there will not spend five minutes to write a thank you note. Yeah, and there's so many ways you can do it, right? You could ask the recruiter for email addresses. You can write individual ones to everyone that you met with and talk about specifics, even if it's just a couple sentences, and send it to the recruiter and ask them to pass it on. You could even just write one group thank you note, you know? Hey, it was great meeting everyone. I'm really excited about the opportunity. Here's what I learned today, and, you know, I can't wait to hear more. It doesn't have to be like a big, massive thing, it could be just a few sentences. But you definitely stand out. And it's weird because sometimes people bring up, do they write a note? And most, most don't. It's so. Wow. I can't believe that. Yeah. It's really surprising to me that so few people do that. But good for the rest of us who write them. Yeah. It's usually, it's usually my salespeople really that, uh, <laughs> that get them out to me. But yeah, it, it's always interesting, especially even if you're not looking for technical work. I mean, customer service, professional services, you know people who are interacting with customers, it's also great to see how you write off the cuff. You know, your resume could have been reviewed by 15 people. And this is a great way to show your 
quick, you know, when you're quick, especially if you get them the next day. Right. We used to actually mail them. Do you remember that? Yes. I still have people sometimes ask me, Should, how about a, a handwritten note? Because that's handwritten notes are so nice. And I always say, yes, but. Yes, but. They will probably be making the decision on whether or not they hire you before your handwritten <laughs> note even arrives in the mail. This is so true. It's the always good. Of email. Yeah. I've had people send them after they, they send their you know, email one and then they get the offer and they accept and then they send it, which is always nice. Um, I used to have a quite a big stack of those, but it's a great thing and it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a masterpiece. It can take you a few minutes, but yeah. it's a gesture that I think says a lot about you as a candidate. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. So, so let's talk about rejection when people don't get the job put all this time into interviewing, they really wanted the job, and they get that dig notice in their email. Yeah. Hopefully they get the notice. You know, that's a bad on companies yes. right now. We've all been through the interview process and we all have resumes pending out there that we're like, did they did they get it? Did they see it? You know, the, the part of it is, is you never know why. And it's always really great when people are like, can you give me feedback on why I wasn't a fit? A lot of companies don't give feedback because the reason that you weren't selected for that job is so hyper-specific to them that if you started taking everyone's feedback and started changing all the ways you act to become something you're not, you're not going to find the right role. So it's really important. I mean, it's great to ask and really important, but you never know what stage they're in. You could have applied or come through an interview and maybe they already had a candidate selected or... They, you were missing one little skill or they needed someone with just a little bit more experience. It doesn't mean you weren't a great candidate and you won't be a great candidate for somebody else. It just means that it wasn't the right time. Recruiting is a, a point in time. There's been times where I haven't hired a candidate because it wasn't the right point in time for what we needed. But maybe six months or a year later, we open another role that's similar and they come to mind first and you go reach back out to them. So you definitely don't want to burn bridges. Do you kind of keep candidates in mind occasionally? Like you said, a point in time. I, I like that. That's a good way to look at, at this process. Yeah. So if you're not the right candidate now, but, you know, maybe in the future, and then you actually reach back out to people. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you've just submitted a resume, maybe you've had a phone screen, maybe you came in for an interview, whatever level you're at. Like, it's great if we've engaged in some way and we have a little bit of rapport built up. So I've done that several times and sometimes you're not available. Sometimes they are available, but it's, it's great to have that. You want to be careful. We all recruiters have a list in their head of people they would never reach out to. So because of however they handled the process, I had somebody send me a 150 point font, all capital letter, swear word email yeah. after they got a rejection. And the only reason I rejected them is because they just were outside the salary band. But I was like, oh, they look really great. It's just out, way outside our salary band. So that person was forever earmarked in my head because they responded um, pretty much this was BS in, but they spelled it out in all capitals, like 10 exclamation points. And I was like, well, this probably isn't the right fit for our organization. Oh my so, gosh. Wow. you know, so you never know why you're being, why they're not taking you at that moment. So it's good to like, I always appreciate when somebody responds back and not that you have to, but they say, you know, thanks for letting me know. I'd love to hear about future opportunities because most of the companies are going to be hiring for multiple people. So 
it might not be right now, but it might be in six months or a year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then is it helpful for you if you had a candidate like that, just wasn't the right time, if they drop you an email every, what, couple of months, every month, what, and just say, hey, Dina, how you doing? Just keeping in touch with you. I'm still here. And Yeah, I think we love when candidates stay in touch with us. A lot of people will immediately add us to their LinkedIn, add the recruiters to their LinkedIn. And I think that's a great way to stay connected. You then come up in our searches. I think it's fine to follow up every once in a while, you know, letting us know, hey, I really enjoyed meeting with you guys. I know it wasn't the right timing. I'm, you know, I am still currently working, but I'd love to talk to you about future opportunities. I think that's totally fine. You probably don't want to send something every week. You might drive us a little nuts. (laughs) But I mean, you know, every so often would be great. And, you know, I know people sometimes don't want to connect with recruiters on LinkedIn because they don't want to give their company the impression that they're talking to recruiters. But it's okay if you can, you know, link in with us. Okay, good. If I'm a candidate who is in a position where I'm about to decline an offer, Let's talk about that. Is I'm sure there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that. I had a candidate that was was perfect for a role I had and the team loved just loved him, had great skills and everything. And even though we were the better company and the better offer, he got an offer from a company that he was really passionate about their industry. I can't argue with that. So we talked it out. We had a great conversation. I said, look, I know you're not super excited about, you know, some of the team members and stuff. So if you get there, even though you're super passionate about this industry, if you get there and it doesn't work out, please follow up with me. I hope it does, you know, and I wish you the best. But we stayed in contact and a couple of years later, he was ready to move on. He kind of got that fix of being in this industry and he loved it, but then was ready to move on to a company that matched more of his like work life and balance and, you know, those parts of it. So I definitely think that you can reject a company, decline them, but do it in a really professional way. Recruiters also move companies. So just because you don't like one company or an offer one company has, we also change jobs. If you burn your bridge with us, it tends to follow as well. So definitely don't ghost the company. It's okay to say, you know, this offer was lower than what I thought it was, or I got three offers and I decided to go with this one. Yeah, we're bummed, but it's great to hear from you. So don't, don't ghost. Yeah. Don't ghost your recruiter. <laughs> right, right. And refrain from sending those all cap. All cap swear email, word emails. Swear words. I can't believe people really do that. But. It, yeah, he was a very high level sales guy, which made me even like, wow, you should know better. Yeah, yeah. But then you feel like, gosh, we just dodged a bullet. That one got hung up on the bulletin board. <laughs> Uh, that's great. All right. So, so technical interviews, these can be tricky, but Mm -hmm. we kind of walked through how to prepare, how to engage with the recruiter. You made a lot of good points about really using the recruiter as, you know, leaning on them for information, asking questions. Hopefully they're your advocate in the process. They want you to do well. And I think it might help candidates just to start to evolve their thinking to the point yeah. where they see their recruiter as maybe a partner through the process. Absolutely. That's the best way to put it, a partner through the process. And we also usually sit in the debrief. So we know what's happened in all the other interviews. And we're usually open to giving you advice and sharing and making sure that you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. All right, great. And then the technical interview part, there's lots of different forms that can take and you need to ask 
Yes. What, what should I expect from this interview? Who will I be meeting with? Mm-hmm. I always tell candidates, look people up on LinkedIn if yes. you know you're going to be meeting with them. Mm-hmm. Is that something you I 100% appreciate? Agree. Yeah, I 100% agree. You also find out that you might have similarities with someone on the interview team. Maybe you went to um, a similar boot camp or studied at the same program or you know somebody that they've worked, you know, at a certain company with. So it always gives you a leg up and you have a little bit of insight and people are generally impressed um, that you've looked them up beforehand. Right. Cause they'll see that you've looked at their profile. And yeah. I think that's good. Someone asked me recently, like, is that weird? I said, no, I, I think that shows you're doing the homework ahead of time. You're preparing. Yeah. The, the one thing I didn't mention, which is important when you're talking about like looking people up is please know what the company does. Whether it's on the initial phone screen with the recruiter, on a technical interview, on the face-to-face interview, the worst pet peeve is, I don't know, I didn't have a chance to look you up or I didn't have a chance to do my research. And it's like, yikes, you, you planned, you agreed to this interview. And even if you go through it for five minutes or something, that to me is the worst possible answer. And I've ended phone screens at that exact moment. Hey, tell us what you know about us. Oh, I didn't do the research. Great. You can schedule a time when you have. Because again, that goes back to that like level of excitement. Yeah. 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 That's like interviewing 101 too, right? It seems like it, but I can't tell you how many people, I can't tell you how many people have come in for a face-to-face that maybe, you know, didn't have a phone screen or something and they just come in they're like, I had no idea. What do you do here? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That seems weird to me. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. I, okay. Don't do that. Don't. That is like the biggest (laughs) don't. All right. So ask a lot of questions. Yes. Come prepared with questions. Follow up. Be in that 5% of people who write thank you notes. Yeah. Gosh. And tell your friends to write them too, because that's like mom mom advice my mom always made me write thank you notes we had a growing up we couldn't spend our money or cash any checks back when we used to have checks until my mom verified our thank you note and sent it out for us so we we were very quick like oh yeah thank you notes you know we were very quick to to get those out and those were the handwritten kind so yeah it's just common courtesy you know like it's okay to step back And, and like i said it doesn't have to be one to each person just Send one to everybody. Right. Just get something out there. Yeah. Yep. All right. Great. Well, so much good advice. I think this was terrific. I, Dina, I know you, besides being a master at technical recruiting, <laughs> you do lots of other things, including being the author of a book. And I love this title, My Fat Pants Don't Fit. Yes. So wanted to give you a minute to tell us about the book. Yeah. So the book is being released in early to mid-June. We're actually done with editing and in layouts right now, but it's... The story of my life. So I actually do talk about a little bit of recruiting in there since that has been part of my life for so long. But it starts on my life eight years ago, moving here to North Carolina. It starts on the worst day of my life. And I actually moved to North Carolina for a recruiting job. That wasn't the bad part. That was the great part. But it kind of follows me on a journey of I've lost 150 pounds and it follows me on that journey. I've been divorced. I fell in love. I fell out of love. And a ultimately finding like self-love and acceptance. So, I mean, that's so important because it's important to your work. It's important to your personal life and um, really how to be the best you so you can be better, better friend, better mother, mother, daughter, worker, anything. So that will be out soon. Funny and raw. Let's just put it that way. All right. Great. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. It sounds great. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank and you. Thank you for sharing all of your expertise in technical recruiting. This was great. 
tons of great tips on how to master the technical interview. Now that you know how, go do it. I believe in you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.